Our scripture text this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Listen for a word from God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling bright like no one on earth could ever brighten them. And there appeared with him... Elijah and Moses. They were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's set up three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say. They were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, one of the most amazing things that I got to do in my time as a youth pastor was lead a group of high school students on a seven-day backpacking trip in the Canadian Rockies. And I I should clarify, I wasn't leading the trip. I took the students from my church, but we were led by these two incredible mountaineering women who were well-trained and had wilderness training and knew the terrain and all of that. And we took a bus up to uh, British Columbia, and then we took a a two-and-a-half-hour water taxi to get to base camp to then go on a seven-day backpacking trip. Now, I grew up in Colorado, and I love hiking, and I was used to doing wilderness adventures at least a little bit, but this was a whole new level. We had to have ice axes, we went up glaciers, we were completely living out of our backpacks, there were bears everywhere that we would see. It was intense, and it was difficult. And our journey, our goal was to summit a mountain. And we were so remote, middle of nowhere, you couldn't get to it by roads, and so I always had this sense like, oh, we're kind of far from help. It was very nerve-wracking, but such an incredible experience. And on day four of our trek, we achieved our goal, and we made it to the summit of this mountain. Conditions were perfect, and we had hiked fast enough that we actually had the whole day from mid-morning on to stay and just spend time and enjoy the glory of this summit. In fact, we even slept there that night with our sleeping bags spread out, no tents, just on the rocks under the stars, and we stayed at the top of the mountain. And that 24-hour period, 20-hour period, however long it was, is still to this day one of the best days of my life. 
It was a literal and figurative mountaintop experience. We had felt so accomplished by making it to the top of the mountain. I was proud of what my body had done. I was enjoying the fellowship of the students and the other leaders. We were having so much fun and singing and joining in our, telling our stories and just having a great time at the summit. We got to spend two hours up there in uh, intentional sort of solo devotional time with God. And as an introvert who'd spent the last four days in tents with these students, I loved that time. And we got to just go out and journal and read our Bibles and sit in the sun and walk around, and it was amazing. I remember thinking, ah, I just want to stay here. I felt close to God. I felt close to these other people. I was in the sun. My body had gotten a workout. It was great. And then I realized, well, it's probably not realistic to stay here, but maybe I should quit this whole pastory thing and get that wilderness training so that I can bring other people up and I can do this week after week after week as well. Somehow, I want to capture this feeling and stay here. We all know that experience of a mountaintop moment. Might not be at the top of a literal mountain, but we've all had moments in life where we feel like we've reached some kind of peak maybe in our jobs, maybe in our relationship, maybe with a sport or a hobby that we enjoy, and we feel accomplished and like we just want to stay there. Our culture certainly celebrates mountaintop moments. As we shared a little bit about earlier, we have created a whole society around award shows and Super Bowls and events where the best of the best come at the top of their game and then we celebrate and we spend a lot of money and we cheer them on and we reach for the top. We just always want to be on mountaintops. Even the language we use, we have all these phrases like climbing a corporate ladder and having peak experiences and being high achievers and going up, up, up. We have a sense that we always want to be at the top of some kind of mountain. This story of transfiguration is one of the most mysterious and magical stories in the gospel, and it too tells of both a literal and figurative mountaintop experience for Jesus. He's taken with him his three closest friends, Peter and James and John, and they've gone up high to a mountain where something amazing happens. He's transformed and is shining like the sun, and in the glory, all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appear, and these three friends, these disciples, are terrified and excited and just in awe of what is happening. And so Peter, in this moment, not really knowing what to say, kind of bumbles around and comes up with what he's thinking and says, Jesus, I have a great idea. Let's build some houses. Let's make some dwelling tents. And then you can stay here, and Elijah can stay here, and Moses can stay here. It'll be great. It'll be like a pilgrimage site. This can be your mountain. People can flock. You can stay here in your glory forever. And then at that moment, this cloud comes over, and the voice of God booms out. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. The cloud goes away, and suddenly it's just Jesus and the three and he tells them it's time to go down. So they start walking down, and he says, this thing that has happened, don't tell anyone about it. Keep it between us for now. 
I can imagine at that time they looked to each other and thought, are you kidding? This is the most amazing thing that has happened. How can we not share it with other people? Scholars talk about the significance of it being Moses and Elijah that appear with Jesus here. That it's this visual representation that Jesus is connected to the law and to the prophets in this continuation of God's covenant with God's people all through time. And then there is this verbal affirmation from God that this is indeed God's son and that this is a moment of awe and of revelation. How could they not tell that story? This was the pinnacle. This would have been the moment where Jesus reached the peak and was fully revealed and confirmed. Why would this not be the one that Jesus wanted all of the people to hear about? Instead, Jesus says, let's go back down together. And if you keep reading in Mark, you'll notice that the first thing that happens as they come down the mountain is that Jesus encounters this desperate father with a son who is struggling. Jesus meets them in their need, and he connects with them. And then he travels to other villages and towns, and he continues to heal and to teach and to serve. Jesus goes from this mountaintop experience where surely he could have gotten the book deal, surely he could have won the award, surely he could have even stayed there and had people flock to him, and instead he goes back down into the shadowy valleys. He begins this downward journey that will eventually lead to the cross. From the pinnacle moment, Jesus doesn't go into a palace with servants to dictate his book orders and have the people come to him. He goes down and tells the disciples to remain quiet. I love Peter's bumbling desire and question of, should we build some houses? Should we, should we do this? Because I think it represents what so many of us feel in those moments of wanting to put walls around our experience of greatness. Wanting to contain it and keep it there and not let it change. I know that's what I was experiencing at the top of the mountain in Canada, that I just wanted it to stay the same. And I know we do the same. We have a great relationship with our kids at a certain age, and we tell them, oh, just don't grow up, just stay like this forever, let's keep it here. Or we get in a moment with our jobs or with our hobbies where we're feeling success and we don't want it to change. And we do it as a church, too. We remember these great experiences we had or, or that were in the past that we think, oh, let's build walls around it, let's create this space and have people come back to it. We will be a pinnacle and the people will come to us like a pilgrimage. But somehow Jesus says we can't stay on the top of mountains forever. We can learn from the awe and the wonder that we experience there, and then we can walk down in the valley, not to inspire, but to serve, not to influence, but to be friends in spirit. We can't live on the top of literal mountains. Trees can't even grow there. The animals that visit only come and go as there's not a lot of sustenance. Usually it's just windy and snowy at the very top. We had to eventually go down from our summit experience on my backpacking trip, and I can tell you that things 
turned poorly very quickly. The night after we summited, we made our way down and we were camping that night, still above tree level in this sort of snowy bowl. And after dark, a thunderstorm rolled in. And we were in the worst possible place for a thunderstorm to come because there was no protection and we were in a place where lightning would certainly be diverted. And so in the middle of the night, our guides instructed us, thankfully they knew what to do, we had to all walk away from our tents that had the metal poles and each go out far from others so we were as spread out as possible. We had to lay our sleeping mats on the snow and we had to crouch down on our toes on the sleeping mat with only our toes touching so there was the least amount of body possible touching the spot where the lightning might come. It was terrifying. We were, we were awake all night we were all spread out, crouching, shaking because our muscles were hurting, just counting the seconds between the lightning and the thunder, and it was pouring rain. We left that summit experience, and it got hard fast. The next day, too, we were soaked. All of our gear was soaked. We were exhausted because we hadn't slept. We were hungry, and we made our way down quietly and grumpily. It's hard to come down from the mountain. For Jesus, I think coming down from that mountain was a physical and symbolic movement where he's teaching his disciples about what greatness actually means. It isn't staying on the top. It's actually about intentionally letting yourself become last, serving, not claiming success for yourself but recognizing the humanity of others and serving them rather than influencing them. I kept thinking this week about the Garth Brooks song, I've Got Friends in Low Places. Anybody know that one? Maybe we should have sung that one, Patrick, next time. But Jesus goes from this place with this group of friends to intentionally connect with the people whose society had pushed out. Not with the famous prophets and Moses from above, but he goes down to meet with his father and his son who are hurting, to be with his disciples who just get it wrong time and time again. And that's where he lives his life. How does Jesus choose to be revealed in this magical moment on the mountain where all of the glory could come to him with walls around him? No. He chooses to be revealed by acting out what he believes in front of his disciples in the shadowy valleys. I heard someone say recently, I'm in a rebuilding year. You know, we always let sports teams say that, but we don't often let people say that. When sports teams are really struggling and trying to figure out their long-term plan, they say, you know what, we're just not going to win this year, and that's okay. We're going to be in a rebuilding year. We're going to think about recruiting some new talent. We're going to work on ourselves and work on our craft, and we're just going to let it lie low for a little while. We don't let ourselves do that as humans, do we? We always think every year has to be the best year, and we have to get better at everything that we're doing. And this woman said, you know what? I'm just claiming it. I'm going to be in a rebuilding year. I think there's something so healthy about that. Jesus reminds us we can't live at the top of mountains. And even if we could, there's so much life to be gained 
by going down and being in fellowship in the shadowy valleys. So if you are in a mountaintop moment of your own right now, that's great. Soak up the awe and the wonder and let yourself feel the rays of the sun and bask in it because it will not last forever. We'll remind ourselves this Wednesday on Ash Wednesday that we are all dust and to dust we shall return. So if you are in a mountaintop moment, feel those rays of sun, but know that they will fade. And if you feel like you're in a season that is more like a valley, know that you are in good company. That we have a God who intentionally, on purpose, comes down, despite God's ability to stay at the top forever, that God is with you. And let's remember that we can redefine greatness, and it's not just a moment of success and glory, but greatness might actually be more about purpose and pouring out. That's where our energy should be, not in maintaining the high, but in finding community and companions in the low, serving rather than influencing and loving along the way. It's like a really successful TV series that finishes a few seasons before people want it to. It's like an athlete quitting professional sports even though they could have had wonderful glory in it because they really want to go to college, that's where they find joy and life. It's like that church in the Pacific Northwest that knew that its members were dwindling and it still had a lot of money and they intentionally decided we're going to close our doors so that we can gift all of this money to a nonprofit that we believe in rather than spend it all away as we slowly dwindle and die. There is life to be given from going down the mountain. Jesus shows us the faithful way to look at glory with new eyes and to descend with one another in love. If you're on a mountaintop or if you're in a valley, God is with you, and we might all together be able to share that glory in a new way. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, you transfigure not to be famous and have us all ooh and awe, but to show us that even in the face of that transformation, you choose the lowly way. Allow us to do the same, not to build houses around our moments of success, but to let it come down and to be faithful to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.